Hello everyone, welcome to the Desolation Sounds podcast. My name is Stephen Hook and this is a podcast celebrating everything to do within the world of alternative music. Be that rock, punk, metal or even extreme metal. Uh, coming up with this week's show, barely any news at all because it feels like everyone's just gone on a weird holiday. Um, but most importantly of all, album reviews from Devil Master, Weezer and Open Mic Nike. I lied to you last week, it's not Yakuza but it is glam, hard rock thing dirty looks with their sixth album bootlegs <clears throat> for some reason i sound awful actually more than usual um first news like i said there is barely anything in terms of news in fact the one news article i could find was apparently last week week before that within the last couple of weeks i'm sure you would have already seen it on the interwebs anyways but uh chris fenn left slipknot one of the custom percussionists of the band or so we thought. Basically, his lawyers come out and said that, legally speaking, he is still... Hang on, play my microphone. He is still legally in the band, which is odd, considering Slipknot have released a statement saying Chris is no longer in the band. Chris himself has gone on to say many, many bad things about the band. But for whatever reason, he is... He's still there, apparently. It's a bit... It, whenever legal matters come to anything, it gets horrifically complicated, so I'm not going to try and find out the legal proceedings behind it, but yeah. Chris apparently still in Slipknot. I doubt he'll have much of a presence on a new album. On the subject of which, just before I hit, um, hit record, Slipknot have released a spoopy, weird teaser upcoming for the album. And I think the tagline on it was just vocal, so I imagine... And there was a date on there attached as well, so I imagine we're going to get a new song within the next uh, couple of days. And before I go any further, that wasn't the only news story. I just remember, I just have, didn't have write it down. Rammstein, I'm going to see if I can find it. The industrial metal titans. Um, boop. They have put up... They've been... Posting a lot of Instagram for ages, the fact that they were in a studio and doing this, that, and the other. Um, but now, I see if I know my Roman numerals. That is the 28th of March this year. I hope so. Uh, oh, shit, that's tomorrow. Um, well, tomorrow's recording. And release, actually. I'm doing... I'm ship timekeeping. There's, like, a small clip with a bunch of them on... Well, it's like a gallow step with a rope around the neck. And are we about to get... What many people are calling the final Rammstein album. I'm excited. You're excited. Everyone's excited. German. The only new music I could find from this week is Blood Command have released a second single from the upcoming EP Return of the Arsonist. Um, that's out 19th of April. The song is called... It's harking back to a day that I hold very dearly and not for all the good reasons. It's like a file type for if you're trying to torrent a um, TV series, something which I'd never did because I'm a very, very good boy. Um, but season one, episode two, Return of the Arsonist, 720p, HDTV, X264. Never quite understood what 264 meant. I think it means bitrate, but I don't know anything about bitrates. Um, it is a hugely bombastic punk rock song, and Karina on the track sounds flipping good. Really flipping good, she does. Um, and other than that, Amon Amarth have announced their new album called Berserker. That's going to be album 11. That's coming out the 3rd of May. And they've released a 
uh, lead single for it. It's called Raven's Flight. It is everything you'd expect from a monomath, huge stomping Viking stuff with guitars going Arr! Um It's really fun, really, really good. And the music video has Eric Rowan and I think Victor from The Ascension. Yeah, the one that's got like, a bit more hair. And as a wrestling fan, that was just a fun little thing that someone pointed out to me because I like fun things like that because I'm cool. Moving on then, that's like I said, that's literally all the stuff I have. It's been oddly quiet. Not unless I've just missed something glaringly obvious because I am prone to do that. But I've had a lot of time off this week, so I feel like I should have noticed this sort of thing. Album reviews then, we're going to start with Devil Master and their debut full-length album, Satan Spits on the Children of Light. Or on Children of Light, I should say. Um, they are a blackened punk outfit from Philadelphia into Pennsylvania in the United States of America. And I seem to have some weird trouble with blackened punk or blackened hardcore because on paper I should absolutely love that style of music. I love the drama and the drama and the ambiance of um black metal you know it's stark it's sinister it's spoopy as shit and i completely go for that kind of thing and on the other side of it i love the beats and the execution and just like the overall song structures of punk rock i will always say and i've even probably said it on here before i'll always consider myself more consider myself more as a punk than anything else because in terms of musically because for the reasons why I said I don't like progressive metal and like gent and that sort of thing, whereas they take so much time thinking about the, what they want to do, punk rock just feels that much more organic. So having this dark spoopiness over something that I really, really enjoy musically, it should be a win-win for me. But I very rarely seem to click with a band who like personify black and punk. Um, Pagan, their album last year... Apart from, I think it was Death Before, Death Before Disco, the lead single. It just blew straight by me. I just, like so many people were, going, were popping for the album. And I saw it a lot of like end of year lists. And I think mine, like where I ranked it, was like bottom half of the year. Um, Black Breast, similarly, never really did anything for me. Dark Throne, they are more of like a greatest hits EP kind of band for me. But then again, Dark Throne have gone for... Lots of things, they've gone crust punk, like that trad metal sort of thing. They've gone back to black metal recently, so they're a bit all over the place. Um, Cavell Attack I've enjoyed, but I've only really listened to album number three, where they were more the heavy metal kind of band. They're like hardcore and they're black and roll sort of thing. They put more onto the first two albums. Sapruga from a couple of weeks ago, they're probably the most notable exception so far in the way of. Like, now I can still remember riffs from that album, and it'll still be on shuffle, and I'll still listen to it, and I still really, really enjoy it. And you think that is, what was it, Supergo on their first album? Some, like, super underground band from Russia, as opposed to, like, Pagan Black Breath and Cavell Attack. Some of like, the um, most modern, exciting punk bands to come out and then Dark Throne are just like the old school veterans of that kind of thing and I've never just really got into it and I don't understand why and but I was still really excited when I found this on Bandcamp because the album art for this album is fucking insane it is equal parts like even on black metal 
with like weird psychedelia and that kind of thing. The name itself, um, Satan Spits on Children of Light, is fucking great. Oh my god. It's rare you get an album name that good. The... What songs did I found? I think it was... Desperate Shadow. That sort of like collared me in a little bit. And... I thought it was an okay song. I listened to like a couple more songs on it. I think it was the first major song from it which is nightmares in the human collapse that's when i was like oh shit this is actually this might be my kind of thing and when i was like doing a little bit of reading about the album in general uh, a lot of people were seeing this as the um, one of the underground's biggest hits for relapse this year because this is um one of the new signings and yeah there's a lot of people saying that relapse have got gold here so i was really excited to try it and here we are like I said, first proper song, uh, Nightmares Into Human Collapse. It opens with this huge D-beat backed shrieking guitar rift. And it then sort of like cobbles down into a dark, foreboding lyric that's more... It's not at the forefront of the music. It's like way back down in the mix. And then you get like a quick little yelp from lead singer Max, who is more up front. And just that... My, my, my tum-tum's making funny noises. You can hear, like, weird squirking noises. That's just my tum-tum. Everything you want to know about this album, you get in that first 90 seconds of track two. And spilling tea. Um, one thing I did particularly pick up on is there is a seamless mix between genres that is done better here than it is on a lot of other bands of this ilk, or a lot of albums of this ilk, I should say. Like, even Cavell Attack, we were regarded as like the next big thing for black and roll and punk and that kind of thing even their genre transitions in in between well inside of songs sometimes sound a little bit clunky in my opinion that again, might just be me hang on tea break me. um but again Going back to what I was saying earlier about trying to like get an album like this to click with me because it so obviously should. This is another one that I can't do it. And as soon as like, I've gone through the album or as soon as I've hit pause or whatever, that's it. There's no desire to go back. There's not much recollection of the riffs. I can't remember any of the main ones off the top of my head right now. Um, but in the moment, this song, this album fucking slams. Um, Black Flame Candle, I've written down, is an it's big punk rock energy with that huge black metal atmosphere. Um, it's got the reaper of vocals, it's got the battling guitar. The guitarist on here, Francis Kano, has done... like The one thing I do remember about it, he's done such a good job on this album. There are some really, really good riffs, and they are... The like, chaotic nature of black metal is really in here because he's got like layers of guitars battling against each other and on riffs on songs like gaunt immortality and her thirsty whip they're explosive and i love how with black metal in general you've got the higher register for the tremolo that's all like it's like the characteristics of black metal it's just always the, it's usually always there in the background or like some bands like to bring it to the forefront and they sort of build around it he hasn't really got that side, that kind of tremolo dissonance going through 
but a lot of the riffs he plays are on like the higher register on the guitar. So okay, you're not getting that like tremolo sort of thing going through, but you're getting like really energetic and really quite groovy riffs, but in that higher market, like fills that quota, but it still like carries the song. Um, but for whatever reason, like as much as I'll, if someone puts on, I will just, I'll have the greatest time just listening to it and taking it all in and thinking this is a really dark foreboding album while still being all the levels of energetic that I like from something from punk rock. It just doesn't keep, it just doesn't keep the attention and I cannot fathom what it is about the style of music that just won't sink in for me. Um, I've even written here, listen to the album as I'm, I'm listening to the album, or was sorry, listen to the album as I was writing the notes. And as I was writing it down and writing all this stuff about it, I was thinking in my head, how am I saying this about an album this good? Like, again, the riffs, the drama, black metal, the energy of punk rock, this should, this is a great album. But then as soon as I paused it to write something down, I was over it. Nothing set, nothing set in, nothing sat with me for a long time. Um, and for an album that is seemingly custom made to adhere to a genre that is cus- that seems custom made just to please me, it just doesn't sink in and it doesn't deserve it. Like I said, in the moment, this is... I'll happily, like, I know I'm not giving it the best review by saying, oh, I can't remember anything. It's all um, forgetful, blah, 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 blah. As you're listening to it, this is white hot shit. And if you like this kind of music, I still recommend you go and look for it. But it, and it, it's a thing. It just doesn't deserve to be forgotten like that. Um, I would love someone who is more in-depth with this kind of music, especially like the small stream end of crust and punk and just black metal straightforward i'd love to get someone's take on this because i just like i said i can't fathom out why this won't sit further with me um for fans of i've gone with power trip because although it's not power trip short stay more yeah steer more towards like the more thrashy side of things and more crossover kind of thing they're Their like pace and their energy and their like how they handle the vocals, I think it's got a lot of crossover with Devil Master. Also, Disfear, which was the um, oh, what's the word? Is it at the gates? Frontman is like side thing for a few years, and more of a newcomer to this thing, Angst, which are A N C S T. They were another band who every time I think I've got, I ended up listening to two out of the last three albums. It was always a thing where, similar to this, in the moment, I thought that the Angst album was going to be like end of year list kind of material. And as soon as I pressed stop, I completely forgot all about it. And when I came up to do my list, it's like, oh, well, it hasn't sat with me. Therefore, it must be shit. But looking for comparisons for Devil Master, I was like, fucking hell, I've missed out on such a good band. And again, press balls, gone. Don't know what it is. I think I might be retarded. Who knows? Really sorry, Devil Master. You definitely deserve better than this. The album is called Satan Spits on Children of Light. If you like anything to do with extreme music, that album title alone should be what draws you in. And then the album art itself is fucking insane. So 
Yeah, Satan spits on Children of Light by Devil Master. And yeah, I'm just I'm just sad I can't do it a better service. On to the opposite end of things. Weezer! Fucking hell, this album. Weezer with their sixth self-titled album. Uh, the 13th overall. They are the LA-based power pop titans again. And... I think they're the first band that I've reviewed twice, aren't they? Oh, I guess technically in flames, but that's just finickety. And they, so this is their black album. At some point in the last 12 months, Weezer have decided they want to be the coolest band to Generation Z kids. To mixed effect. So it all started as far as I could. I kind of like try to do it like a timeline sort of thing. It started with the Africa cover. Uh, well, sorry, it started with the Roseanne cover because everyone... I've dubbed Africa Propaganda Corps because there's a song you always hear like props or beer keller or that kind of thing. So it gets played everywhere and I've got a friend who just cannot fucking stand that song anymore. I'm slowly um, leaning towards that way because I hear this song fucking everywhere. And so it started off with a campaign to get them to cover Africa because for some reason everyone picked on Weezer. They trolled that campaign with a cover of Roseanne. Then the event, <clears throat> excuse me, eventually did do Africa, which was all very hardy ha relevant mood stuff, because that's why. Um, and at that point, I think everyone thought that was that. They've had their little, little viral thing. Um, it's good on the back of the follow-up to Pacific Daydream. You know, it's all it's all a bit of fun. We were wrong. A few months after the Africa cover came Can't Knock the Hustle, which is a hugely upbeat funk, uh, funk rock song, which I didn't listen to it at the time. The first time I heard the song was when I started listening to the Black Album. And it's a little odd compared to, excuse me, so the Weezer that I know. The Weezer I know are all the like greatest hit songs, so... Uh, Hashpipe, My Name is Jonas, Buddy Holly, Pork and Beans, that kind of thing. Like the big songs that everyone knows by Weezer. And then the White Album, which came out, what was it, 2016 I think it was? And so, for me, modern Weezer is the White Album. Where they got past like all the college rock sort of stuff. Um, the like, emo, heavy pop punk kind of thing. Whereas now it's more... Not to the point where it's dreamy, but more, more melodic, power-pop, alt-rock sort of thing. And I really, really enjoyed the White Album. So to hear a Can't Knock the Hustle type song, I started to get kind of worried. Like, is, is this going to go down the route of Beverly Hills again? Because no one wants that again. No one should want that again. And what was the song I did with Lil Wayne? Can't Stop Partying. Fuck me, that song is bad. Um... So then, yeah, you had Roseanne, you had Africa, you had Can't Knock the Hustle. Then a few months after that, you had the second single, which was Zombie Bastards. Which is more of a Weezer song. It's got some pretty daft vocals, um, but musically it's pretty solid. And if you go through and look at a lot of the big Weezer songs, you do have that. Like um, Pork and Beans, musically... It's great, but lyrically, it's just what is going on. 
But with Zombie Bastards came the album art for the Black Album. And it's always been a thing where if it's a self-titled album, they put themselves on the front cover and usually like color code it because obvs. Um, and it's the four of them stood in front of a black background with one single spotlight as they all wear black latex, uh, like BDSM, dominatrix style jumpsuits. Which, I don't know, it might just be it's not my kink, but it's weird. It's so odd. They're men in their 40s, for fuck's sake. It's just, if you wear a costume like that in your 40s, your marriage is failing or you're a serial killer. They're your two options. And I'm just saying. It's just how it is. And it's just... That was that's the, that was the image they were going for. And they said in interviews it was going to be like, Beach Boys gone bad. I don't think Beach Boys ever went this bad. But this... Alright, okay. So they are kind of sitting more into the fact that they are trying to be a bit meme Which is not great. It's not what I'd like. But if it works, if it gets in more sales, power to them. And then it was the surprise release of the Teal album. Which was that mad, mostly 80s covers... Um, cover album that that was the point where they realised their memedom and because it's, it's so self-aware in its own memeage and it's been like I know a lot of people they weren't initially aware of it and I said to them you know it's got a cover of like um, No Scrubs by TLC on there and um, obviously Af- Africa was on there What's the other big one that I remember telling everyone about? Mr. Blue Sky, that was it. Oscar's got Take that take On Me on there. I was like, you do realise it's got all this really weird shit. And then as soon as I started telling it to people, they were adamant they had to go look for it on like Spotify, YouTube, whatever it was. And it's it basically got sought after for its ridiculousness. Ness. And that's when like, I, the podcast I listened to was starting to get quite worried about the album in general because it wasn't going to be an album for the Weezer fans of the past it looked like it was going to be a Weezer, ba- a Weezer album for new fans and to bring like a younger generation in which again they're proactive they can do that and I'm sure if I thought hard enough I could try and th- um, find some bands who've done that but I don't know many bands I don't know if I could find any bands I should say who have done it quite like this so here we are. And then the single double single release came. You had High a Kite, which is more of an expected Weezer Kite song. It, to me, it kind of felt like it would fit right at home on the White Album. Because it is very, like, dream pop influenced, alt-rock. Um, huge bass-backed guitars in the chorus. I really, really like High a Kite. Not too keen on living in L.A., which I'm pretty sure I covered both the songs when they came out a few weeks ago, months ago, months ago. I meant months. Living in LA is, sorry, living in LA is fucking shit. You start thinking that it's catchy and fun, and you know, just upbeat pop, and then you realise it is all those things because you've it's the same song you've heard for the past three years because every other pop artist has done a song like this, talking about girls being in LA. At least I think it's talking about girls because the song also mentions spiders spaceships and sings a bit in french because like i said weezer are known for doing odd lyrics hang on tea break 
probably should start cutting all these tea breaks out, but fuck you. That's a lot of effort. So, as I was getting more and more into the album, I realised that it was basically separated into two parts. The Weezer we all know and love, and the new, what I'm caught, um, dubbing Fortnite Weezer, because they did launch four songs from the album on Fortnite the day before it was supposed to be released as full, because the world was a terrible place. So, songs like High a Kite and Zombie Bastards... As previously mentioned, they suit the more older Weezer aesthetic, and I appreciate when I say older Weezer aesthetic, I do mean an album that came out about three years ago, but hold off on that. And they, I'd throw The Prince Who Wanted Everything in there as well, a little bit more upbeat, but that kind of, like I said before, daft lyrics, good musically, the wholesome Weezer package. Whereas you got too many thoughts in my head, I'm just being honest. They joined the likes of Living in the Lane, Can't Knock the Hustle as the Fortnite Weezer. Um, because the way I was kind of measuring in my head, other bands are doing it and they're doing it better. And that's not, that, I admit, that's not like the best argument to have because there's always going to be a, another band doing it better, a particular song style better, but. Here it just, it was just so bland and so boring and so plastic. <clears throat> Excuse me. And as I got further along with the album, there was a mysterious third option that I found song sort of sank into. And it had the older Weezer aesthetic where it was the dreamier um, power pop alt rock kind of thing that everyone knew and loved the Weezer for, but just done really badly. And yet it is that like chilled laid back vibe. But it's so fucking bad. And like the doot doo doos from Piece of Cake are fucking annoying. And he's got like one word sentences for the verses that just go bum, bum, bum. It's just fucking get on with the song. California Snow, I can't specify anything bad about that song. It's just bad. It's, it, there's just nothing to it. It's just terrible. And the amount of times I've skipped over Byzantine is unreal. First of all, that's the first time I've ever heard that song said out loud. That's the word, sorry. It just doesn't do anything. It's the same drum beat the entire way through the song. The song is so painfully bland. And if I ever had a partner who wrote me a song that was anything like Byzantine, I'd pepper spray their genitals because it's fucking awful. It's... I think I googled the word Byzantine when it's used as an adjective and it got described to me as of scrupulous nature. A scrupulous nature basically means it's a bit a bit dodge, shall we say. So I'm not quite sure what that means in the context of the song. I think just being basically saying that we shouldn't be in love, but I really like you and pay no attention to the fact that I'm looking at you through bushes. The album as a whole is just bad. Like there are highlights with I said before, I do genuinely enjoy Heisekai as a song. Um, too many thoughts in my head and Can't Not to Hustle are fun in an uber guilty pleasure kind of way. Um, they would stay on if they came on shuffle. I'd have to be in the right mood to have them on on shuffle, but if they got played at a party, I wouldn't be upset. But the rest of the album is boring, 
and quite often at times it's actually annoying and it's very very impressive to make music that's just annoying um and what saddens me is in a few years time when people look back at like various eras of weezer and that kind of thing people are going to look at this sort of time for weezer and realize that the biggest song from this era is not anything from white album certainly not anything from this but the biggest song Weezer played around this time isn't even a Weezer song. And that's not a very good indication of a band. No matter, mm, I'm going to say no matter who you are, but I know it's probably a glaring obvious. But, you know. The one thing else, before I go move on to the open mic, because I don't really think at this point Weezer needs it for fans of. I think everyone's heard of Weezer by now. The one thing I'm really curious at, the swearing in this album... Or profan- um, profanity using the album. Like I listen to a lot of, as I said before, punk rock, um, black metal, death metal, uh, various different kinds of like angry music, which is what we're all here for, I hope. And it's never really offset me as much as it has here. I know um, I've read a bit in here where Rivers does swear throughout the album which is a very rare characteristics of the Weezer sound. And I've read a couple of uh, reviews I picked up on that as well. Listen to one, sorry. And it's something that I've never picked up on because I've never been the biggest Weezer fan before. But it does feel quite off-putting every time he swears. I don't know if it's just because he it feels like he's putting it in there to try and be edgy or if it's just I've like hardwired myself without realising to accept we- Weezer doesn't swear. But for people who are more invested in Weezer and people who like understand their aesthetic and their music more, I'd love to find out if they, if you feel the same way, or just even if you listen to this album, if you feel the same way, whether anytime he does swear, it does feel a bit off-putting, a bit antagonistic. Because I, I feel like it does, but then that might just be me being a puss-puss. But who knows? Yeah, get in touch with that. It is, if you want something daft... Maybe go listen to it. It's officially it is called it's a self-titled album, but unofficially it is the Black Album. It's by Weezer, album number thirteen. And I genuinely can't figure out which one I dislike more between that and the Teal album. I actually think I prefer the Teal album. Which hmm. on to open mic. And I know last week I promised the Yakuza album of Seismic Consequence. I want a little bit more time on that one because there's a lot more going on there than I thought. So I thought, what's having said? Well, Devil Master and Weezer were two albums that I thought I would really enjoy and then for whatever reason just haven't done, just done the job for me. So I thought, why don't we try and converse that? Why don't we try and find an album that should never on paper have been what I wanted, but end up really really enjoying and that's why i've decided to look at an album called bootlegs it is album number six from the san francisco hard rock glam metal band dirty looks dirty looks were a hard rock glam metal band from like i said from san francisco probably should have led with that uh, they were fronted by danish-born frontman henrik ustergaard i really hope i'm pronouncing that right Throughout the time of the band, and he was him at the um, helm, but he had a revolving cast of talent 
behind him. Uh, he held the band in various different guises such as Rumble Dog and Burning Orange, which I'll touch on a little bit later. And he had... There's a couple of guys who had, like, long tenures. I've deleted the tab, fuck. I think it was... Jack Pryor, I believe his name was, was in for the first period of the band. Steve McConnell, the drummer, was there for quite a few years as well. So they did have, like, a mildly substantial lineup for a few years, and then it's just... If you go on the Wikipedia page, it is just a mess of names to the fact that the Wikipedia have got two lists. The artists who play with Dirty Looks as in like time order and the talent who played with Dirty Looks in name order just so it's easier to understand what's going on. Uh, Dirty Looks ha- had fairly substantial success in the late 80s. Their major label debut, Cool From The Wire, which I think was album number four, it achieved immense success. It had MTV Airplay, it had good standing on the Billboard chart and even today it still has fairly common and fairly recurrent purchases. The follow-up in 1989, a year later, uh, Turn Out The Screw achieved even higher successes and has thus far become the band's most lucrative album. Odds are it's going to stay that way. We'll talk about that later. And when you... Like, similar to how thing now where we have a lot of people talk about underground UK bands and a lot of like UK hardcore that sort, that sort of thing blew up a few years ago with like Brotherhood of the Lake and Drip I think Drip back part of that scene and there's another one I can't remember off the top of my head but you know that kind of thing this was like this was like the underground glam I think back in its day where you've got your Def Leppard and your Monty Crew now but the people who really went into glam metal these days would go back and find this as sort of like a hidden relic in amongst it all uh, and the out the outtakes from Turn the Screw and Cool from the Wire. They, well, there was this album. So it was the outtakes from those albums. Bearing in mind that with Cool from the Wire and Turn of the Screw, that was major label production efforts and production costs. So although the songs weren't used for the big albums, they had the big album work on them. If that makes sense. And so yeah, it would go on to make bootleg bootlegs, which. Is an album, even though it's like the cast-offs from those two albums, this is the album I prefer because I am a huge hipster and I won't hear anything said otherwise. The sound of Dirty Looks is, it sits somewhere between the dirty hard rock of ACDC with a lot of riffs in there as well, and the more flamboyant harmony sort of stuff from the likes of Def Leppard. So, it does bounce between like the real super lighter end of glam it doesn't quite sit in the middle of the riff heavy stuff like motley crew but it does sometimes steer near towards the more gritty hard rock sort of stuff it's a weird mix of things so i that's why i feel like it is like a hidden diamond amongst it all and you can hear it that kind of evidence where it is that sort of flamboyance with grit it's evident straight from the get-go in Speed Queen. It's that classic rock and roll guitarist with a big, huge, like layered vocal choruses, and similar tropes exist in in Black and White and Fall for You. And it just does have that. I don't want to say energy because I've used that word a lot at the, um, today, but the same way you can like foot tap to like ACDC and sort of like sing along to. Def Leppard. It's got little bits of elements and 
both of them. And Henrik in general just does have a really strong voice for this kind of thing. Uh, Only Tomorrow has the same kind of power and swagger to it that could rub shoulders with Aerosmith. I've seen people compare songs on the album to Faster Pussycat and one of the songs, I think it was The Last Forever. I saw someone compare to Led Zeppelin, which I'm not au fait with Zeppelin at all, so that's for other people to judge, but I imagine if he's making that kind of claim, he's going to know something about both sides of the band. When Dirty Looks bring the intensity back and for the inevitable like glam ballad that every glam metal band had, has, forever will have. Um, in this case, it was a song called The Last Forever. Did I compare? Was that the one I got compared to Led Zeppelin? I think the one I got compared to Led Zeppelin was actually Loveless. I don't know. Something in there got compared to Led Zeppelin. Go and listen for yourself. Um, and the ballad in this is Last Forever. It still is quite powerful, but this time more of like an emotional register because Henrik is very intelligent in how he uses his vo- his vocals. Excuse me. Whereas usually, yeah, he has got that gruff, gritty kind of voice. Here, he just toned that grittiness back. You can to the point where you can still tell it's him, but it's not signature him. Um, not quite as when when what was that Aerosmith song? Sing for the moment where even now I will I am not convinced that Steve Tyler singing even though I've re- seen it written down saying this is Steve Tyler I'm like fuck it's not quite that extreme it's in fact it's like that but the uh, in fact it's more the opposite kind of thing what am I saying whereas it is a different vocal style but you can still like it's still familiar you can still recognize the fact it is Henry Gustigard and he knows when to pull back completely and when to push forward with more like power uh i keep saying the same fucking word the more gr- a grunt in his voice we'll say i think easily my favorite song from the album is a song called fade away and it harks back to, again to that gritty rock glam sound i was talking about before henrik also did the guitars for the band and especially for this album along with a guitarist called paul idell he was one of those gentlemen who stayed with the band for quite a while i believe paul was lead although i'm not 100 sure but anyway between them henrik and paul do a great job on the guitars um throughout the album especially on fade away though the chorus riffs really bounce off henrik vocals and they back the big layered vocal part in the chorus as well and yeah not only do they i'll use like fade away as an example for now but just it does happen a lot throughout the rest of the album they have riffs that sort of like go along with the vocal as he's singing, but also backs up like the instrumental breaks. And then, yeah, when it hits the chorus, more like a bigger sound comes in. It's still bouncing off it. And like, whereas I was talking about a lot with drum fills that sort of like fill in those gaps and still make it interesting. He's doing that on the guitars. And yeah, I think guitar work on this is really, really great. And I think a lot of the, the reason why I prefer was essentially a compilation of b-sides against two of the band's biggest albums is because it does sit somewhere between those two major albums that are known for so from turn the screw it's got uh, more of an emphasis for for the guitars um just in general like a better tone for those riffs and from cool from the wire it's 
like Cool From The Wire in general, I just prefer the riffs on there and the actual just general guitar arrangements I think work better from there. So the better guitar playing and the better mix that combine us two together and I think that's where that's the middle ground that bootlegs sits in. And for Derelix in general, it doesn't, it unfortunately doesn't have a very happy ending because nothing ever does because we're all emo as fuck. Derelix would start and stop over the next, well, it would start and stop a lot over the subsequent years. Um, most notable, they pretty much broke up between 1996 and 2007, uh, where Henrik rechristened the brand as Burning Orange, and I believe that was the time where he took a backseat from vocals and just concentrated on guitar work and brought in a new vocalist for a while. Um, they would return as a full band again with Henrik at the helm in 2007. They released a few more albums, their last being ICU in 2010, where the lineup for the band was Henrik on vocals, um, Scott Parmenta on guitar, who I believe also worked or played in another band in the 80s, Bill Daly on drums, we can't find much about him, and Greg Pianca on bass. The sad news is Greg would never see the release of the album, he was tragically killed months prior to the album's release the band would continue for another year and would, but would fold all together in 2011 after the passing of Henrik Ustergaard himself that year they were certainly a band of that generation like many things in general musically have made a comeback over the years you've got um, a re revival of like new metal um rap and metal collaborations thrash made like a brief comeback in the uk a few years ago like hard hitting thrash that is it's still i think it's starting to come back again now especially with the likes of power trip running and gunning it but glam certainly hasn't made that kind of comeback also saxophone music saxophone music has made a beautiful comeback which i hope i'll talk about in the acute review but yeah, like I say, Glam really hasn't made that comeback. So I'd love to, if Dory looks broke now, I reckon people would be saying they should have been around in the 80s. They were around the 80s and 90s, around that like peak of Glam. And that's, they were at the turn of night as well, which is the peak of Glam. Because I know it sort of like started to like just spiral down by midnight is when the grunge, grunge era came in. But I'm pretty sure around the 90s, Motley Crue was still hot fire. Um, Van Halen was still top of their game. I think, I'm, I'm by no means an, ex an a Am I an expert on glam metal or the basics of human language? But I think, the, fa the fans of, for the fans of part, I've said ACDC because of Henrik's vocals and the kind of riffs that they play. Skid Row for, I think they were the closest I could think of to combine the, that middle ground of riffs and glamour. Excuse me. And Def Leppard as well. And like I said before, people compared certain songs on the album to Faster Pussycat and Led Zeppelin. Just in general, if you are a fan of that glam metal type deal, and I know there is, it's still got like a cult following now, 
if you haven't done so already, I do recommend Dirty Looks. They can, like, I don't go for glam pretty much at all. I mostly just go for the greatest hits on Crew and um, Def Leppard, Skid Row, and etc. But Bootlegs is a really, really great album for me. And Cool From The Wire, Turn The Screw are also very good albums. But like I said, Massive Hipster. So I'm going to go with this one, which is the one that no one wanted. It's the, it's the red-headed stepchild that everyone tries to ignore. But that will be the end of what is an unusual, well, mildly short episode of Desolation Sound. Like I said, it's a little bit sparse on news this week and yeah it feels sad because everything like the main albums from this year didn't do it for me the weasel one was shit and yeah there was no happy ending for dirty looks so hopefully next week when i'm back there will be some some happier news to report and hopefully we'll have lots of new music and everything will be happy and everything will be cheery and i can talk about a new ramstein song i forgot about that shit and hopefully next week I'll bring you Yakuza of Seismic Consequence as well. Um, until such time, Facebook, Twitter, social media, I'm always around somewhere. Come say hi. I probably won't respond. But until such time, I will see you soon. Bye-bye.